morning, I want to go into a message titled, Reason and Seated with Him. Reason and Seated with Him. Lord God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And we just want to give you praise. We want to glorify your name this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're visiting today, we have a, a card that we placed in your uh, bulletin. It's called Collect Connection Card. Uh, please fill that card for us and place it in the offering basket at the end of the service. Uh, we want to know and acknowledge your, pres- uh, your presence here with us in worship. And I want to send you a letter to thank you. But more than that, if you have a prayer request, put it there. I want to pray for those uh, needs that you've got. Uh, if you have a business and you are a member of our church and you didn't put your name down last week, please put the name of your business down. Or just write it on that connection card and put it in the offering basket. I really had fun this week praying for those businesses. I was enjoying myself praying for the businesses of uh, the members of our church. I, I just don't pray. I know God's, God's answering the prayer because he dropped that in my heart. Pray for businesses in your church. So I'm praying. If you have a business, please write, that, write the name of your business down or your name. If the business is struggling, I'm telling you by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, that business will no longer struggle. Something is going to come. You're going to hear something. Something is going to come into that business to change it. That's why we serve God. Because He cares for us. He said, if you earthly fathers, you know how to do, give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to those who serve Him? So, you serve Him, He's going to bless you. We'll go straight into the message. I want to answer the question first, why did God die? God died? Many times I wonder, when you talk to people, they just don't believe. They believe that Jesus was a good man. I mean, you heard that. And that he was a good teacher. And I keep asking, if he's a good man or was a good man and a good teacher... Why was he lying about himself? Because you don't believe he's God. He made it clear he was God. He made it clear that he was God. There is only one God. So when Jesus died on the cross, that was God that died. That settled it for me. As a young man, I used to wonder if he was a good man, let him die for his friend. Not for the rest of the world. Life for life. Right? One man cannot die for the whole world. Those that were and those that are alive and those that will come, one man dying for the sins of everybody. It doesn't make sense, even if he was a good man. But Jesus was not just a good man. That was God himself. That made sense to me. If God will give his life, that's big enough for the whole world. So I can be saved because it was God that died, not just a man. 
And I wonder why people think, how can God just become a man? Why? You mean to tell me God became one of us? Yes, He became one of us. God is now one of us. That gives me confidence in life. God became one of us, a man. There is a man right now sitting in in heaven with the Godhead, with body, just as they came, bones and flesh, Jesus said. That makes you special. Because God took your form and he became one of us. The scripture tells us he dwelt among us. John chapter 1 verse, verse 12. He dwelt among us. He became one of us. You know, I was reading a story about a man who was, who was uh, in his home, really warm. And uh, it was a bitter winter, winter morning. The sun was up. It was really bitter. The sun was kind of taken out because there was snow falling. And there was this little bird that seemed to be lost and wanting to get into some place. And that bird would fly and, you know, crash into his window. And he was watching the bird and he felt sorry for the bird. And he thought, well, I'll, I, let me help this bird, bird come into the house. And afterwards, we'll release the bird. Now, what happened is he'll go to his door. He'll open his door and he wants to, you bird, please come in. And the bird sees him and the bird's gone. That happened several times. He opened the door, the bird wouldn't come in. And he thought to himself, Oh, I wish I had the power to become a bird. I would just go out, fly to that bird, talk to it, and lead that bird back in. And as he was think, th- thinking that way, God revealed himself to him. That's what God did. Amen? God became one of us. Because the only way to lead us to himself, he had to become one of us. That was God that died. And you know, let me tell you this. One of the things that really got me in my early days. If God would go to the cross, so you won't have to go to hell. And you decide on your own that you are not going to receive him. It's okay. May God help you. What God himself died to prevent you from going. A place where he died to prevent you from going. You decided you, you don't care, you're going there. God help you. And that's what drives us. To let people know there is a hell. And it's a bitter place. Jesus created that place. He described the place with the scriptures. It's not a fun place. You only have one life. Please hear me today. Please hear me. Don't ever reject Christ because he paid. That's the only reason why you go there. Not because of your sin. Jesus is taking care of the sin question. The only reason a man goes to hell, he refused the remedy. That's the only reason. The only reason you go to hell, you refuse. You heard it, you didn't want to accept it. That's the only reason. And the way God sees it, you rejected his son. You rejected his son. Now, 
First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's a scripture that tells us, and without controversy, let's not argue about it. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Read the scriptures. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Notice, spirit is capitalized. The word S is capitalized. So that was God himself. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels, priests among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and then he was received back into glory. That was God. God himself died for you. Think about it. When you buy something in the grocery store, you only let go of it if you think that thing is worth letting go of your money, right? You only let go of your money if you believe that thing is worth letting go of your money. And you let go and you get what you want and you're happy. And the guy who received your money, he's happy to get your money. (laughs) Both of you are happy. God was happy to let go of his son so he can have you. He's got some of us and he's really happy. Be among that number. Amen? Be among that number. In, Ma- in Acts chapter, chapter 20, verse 28. Let me read this scripture just to solidify that uh, concept. Look at the, what it says. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. He was talking to preachers. Pastor Al, take heed. Talking to you. Therefore, <laughs> oh boy, that's serious. Therefore, take heed to, all, to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with what? His own blood. God's church that God purchased with his own blood. He got you with his own blood. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the flesh. I mean in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And God has given that blood on the altar to cover all of your sins. And that's what Jesus has done for us. The life of the flesh is in, in the blood. When Jesus came, that was God. God's life was in his blood. And when Jesus poured out his blood on the earth, that was God's life poured out on the earth. And if you receive him, then you receive God's life. It's called born again. It's called born again. It's that simple. All you have to do is receive him. God's taking all the pain and everything. He's done everything. The table is prepared for you. And all you have to do is show up. Jesus said, go out and call them from the streets. Compel them to come in. Come in because everything is ready. All you have to do is to be willing to walk in. That's all you need to do. Is that difficult? He will transform your life. Man, in those days before I became a Christian, I told myself, man, I'm, I cannot live for God. I mean, I'm wicked. 
There is no way I can live for God. Some of these things that I do, uh, there's no way anyone can take this thing. My booze is not going out of my head. Please help me. Say, give your life to Christ. I know, but boy, (laughs) this booze stuff, how am I going to let go? And the other stuff that I was doing. I I felt held by those things. I mean, I figured to myself, if the time comes and I really feel like I can let go, then I'll give my life. Believe me, that time will never come. You're kidding yourself. It's deeper than what you think. But the day you accept Christ into your life, your life is transformed. There is a joy that God puts inside of you. You don't want to touch any of those things. When Jesus came into my life, whoa, I couldn't stop talking. I wanted everybody to know. I couldn't contain the joy inside. That booze, the high that thing would give to me cannot be compared with the high I was feeling with Jesus. He was so, I was so high. And after I found out, Jesus said, you must tell everybody that every time you tell somebody about Jesus, God himself will mention your name in heaven. I thought to myself, how wonderful. God's going to say my name in heaven. Every time I speak to a person about Jesus, this is great. I went around the neighborhood and mapped the city from door to door. Even if you cast me out, I will be telling you about Jesus. They asked me one time, why are you not mad? I don't have to be mad. You being really mad at me and cursing me out is really helping me up there. He's calling my name. Amen. You're really helping me. Because it says, Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. So men persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are just making me a prophet. Keep it up. Curse me out. But I'll tell you of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you of Jesus. Jesus paid an awesome price for us. If you would think about it, the days before he went to the cross, he was God. He knew what was coming. And Jesus said, my soul is so sorrowful even unto death. He said, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He says, but for this hour I came into the world. I came to save them. I came to save them. To make you a family member of God. God's house. Today I am glad. I am a member of God's family. Amen. That makes me special. I was in Nigeria. I was coming out one, coming out uh, Living the country, and I was going through the, what the going through custom and immigration. And my father was a politician, and the present uh, uh, president of Nigeria, uh, at that time he was just running. His name is also Goodluck, and so I have a political name. And the, the current president was Goodluck. And the fellow said to me, he said, uh, uh, "You are this person's son." and you are going to America, we need you here. Come and run for office. We'll vote for you, and you can become president. I told him I have a better job than that. He has employed me. Amen. It's the greatest privilege. I don't get tired. I enjoy my job. God looked into the world. He says, I want that one to preach for me. Ooh, I love my job. 
to work for God and to serve God. There's nothing bigger than that. Not everyone is a child of God. Everyone was created by God. But not everyone is a child. I became a child when I accepted Jesus into my heart. And he's been good to me. He's been good to me. He's never failed me. He's such a good God. And he loves you dearly. The day, I think, when people get to God and the day God sends those that refuse Jesus to their eternal home, not heaven now, one thing that will hurt them more than the fire is they will see and experience love like they've never known. Before they are sent away from his presence. There is nothing more painful than that. That you could have stayed with this unusual. A love that is not found among humans. A love that will not quit. And yet, you are separated from him. Whereas... You had all the opportunity just by saying yes to be welcome. Now he sends you away from himself to suffer eternally. I think just being separated from that love is going to be worse than the, pain, the, the, the fire that you have to experience. The pain you experience from the fire. Because you know, I could have been up there. And why am I here? Why was that so stubborn? What caused me to do this to myself? I know he didn't send me here. He paid this price. I sent myself here. Listen. You have, at the most, a hundred years. Now, if there is no heaven... And there is no God, and you didn't live for God, all of us will die. And that's the end. But if that's your position, you better pray. Because if there is a God, you made an eternal bad decision. And it's going to hurt you. How many of us know your decisions affect your life? Every decision you make. You made an eternal bad decision that will haunt you for the rest of eternity. A thousand years will go by and to God it's just like one day just went by. You are totally forgotten. Man can tell you here, I've forgotten, I've forgiven you and I've forgotten. He's lying. He hasn't forgotten. No man forgets anything. If you steal his money, he'll forgive you. But if you ask for more, he says, you... Uh, and you ask him permission to his safe, he says, I forgive you, but uh, I don't have, you. you can't go near my safe. That man. But God, when he says he forgets, he's gone. He's forgotten. And that's what he does with our sin. When we tell him, God, 
can you forget, forgive me? I read the story of this man. He was talking to God. He prayed to God. In those days, they'll tell you to confess your sins, all of them. I had a list. Boy, after a while, I said, it's going to take several, several weeks for me to get. No, the list was so long. The more I wrote, the more I said, you're real wicked. What's all this? This fellow was confessing his sin. And he asked God, he confessed everything he could remember. And then he thanked God for forgiving him. And uh, he left from that place. After a while, he remembered one that was really bad that he didn't confess. So he ran to God. He said, God, I want to confess this thing. God said, what thing was that? I don't remember it. I don't remember it. He says, but I didn't, I didn't. uh, God says, your sins have been all purged. The slate is clean. There's nothing there. You now have the opportunity to rewrite your life. Amen. That's what you have the opportunity to. When you accept Christ as your Lord and your Savior. One thing that the devil didn't know. A lot of people, you know, they talk about the devil as if he's so powerful. That being is so dumb, excuse me, really dumb. You know, from the very beginning, when God said to the devil, the seed of this woman will bruise your head, he was looking for that seed. I believe, this is my belief, I believe he thought, okay, uh, Adam has two sons, Cain and Abel, one of them is, I don't know which of them, uh, but one of them is, is going to really hurt me. Uh, I know God doesn't tolerate sin. If I make one a murderer and the other one dies, I'm free. He did it, but that was a mistake. He couldn't, he couldn't tell. He started something before Moses was born. He knew something is about to happen. So let's kill all the children before the deliverer comes. God, he was using Pharaoh. God says, you think you're that smart? I'm going to bring that my deliverer into Pharaoh's house. So that he will take care of my deliverer, feed him, clothe him, and pay his mother for taking care of him. You think you're that smart? That's what God did. He kept looking. And when Jesus came, he knew this was it. You know of the temptation. You know of everything that he did. Trying to make Jesus sin. That didn't work. And so he thought, he didn't work. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. It's such an amazing thing, the human heart. The Bible said when Jesus was in Jerusalem, he did so many miracles and many people believed in him. But he said, but Jesus did not commit himself to them. Because he knew man. And he knew what was in man. When I read that, I said, Jesus, please commit yourself to me. And I'm glad he asked. Just give yourself totally to me and help me to give myself totally. He was saying that about those who believed. He didn't give himself to them. But he had 12 of them that were with him. And they knew everything. He said, I never hid anything from you. What I heard from the Father, I gave it to you. You, you are no longer servants. I call you friends. 
because a servant doesn't know what his, what his uh, master is doing. So there were those that were his friends, and there were those that he wouldn't commit himself to. I want him to commit himself to me. Can I hear an amen? Totally. Totally. He thought to kill him. He actually killed Jesus. But then he realized this was a mistake. And that was the greatest mistake Satan ever made. You know how I know this? Let me share some scriptures with you. Amen? Let me share some scriptures with you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Which none of the rulers of this age knew. He's not talking about kings, the rulers. He's talking about principalities, demons, devils. It says, Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know. That the killing of Jesus was going to be their own doing. They had no idea. It was only after Jesus died that Satan realized he had made a serious mistake that was going to destroy his kingdom. He was confused. You know how I know that? Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 62 through 63. It says, On the next day, the follow, that fo- which followed the day of preparation... The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Why didn't they remember before they killed him? Would you kill somebody who has raised a man who had been dead for four days? It's stupid to kill a person like that. He raised him from the dead. He raised Lazarus who had been dead for four days. And you're going to kill him? But when Satan is doing his stuff, he cannot think. That's why I say he's really dumb. I wouldn't, if I know this man has raised somebody from the dead who was dead four days and was in the grave and his body was already decaying, he brought him back. I'm going to be if he does this, I'll take the other way. But they wanted to kill him. They were not thinking. Because Satan was behind it, driving them. And many of us, Satan is still driving us, and we're not thinking. You really need to think and make sure Satan is not driving you. They didn't know that. They became nervous after they killed him. We remember that he said, why didn't you think about it before you killed him? And they did everything. I believe it was men, and that's what Satan does today. You know, let me show, show you a secret. God cannot do anything on the earth unless he see, finds a man to use. That's why Jesus came as a man. And that's why Jesus kept saying, the son of man. I used to wonder, why does he call himself the son of man? I thought they said, he is the son of God. But every time Jesus spoke, he was saying, I'm the son of man. The son of man had power to do this on the earth. You read over and over again. Son of man, son of man, son of man. What Jesus was saying, I'm a man and I have the right to walk right here. God needs a man for a work to be done on the earth. And he needs you. 
That's why he wants more people in the kingdom. Because the more of us, the more we can do for the kingdom of God. That's why we pray this prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, our Lord be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Because if you don't pray and ask for it on the earth, it can never be done. And in the same way, Satan can do nothing on the earth unless he finds a man to use. That's why when the Antichrist comes, he's not just going to be Satan manifesting himself. He's going to find a man who agrees that he should come into him and possess him. And he walks through that man. That's the principle of the spirit realm. That's what it is. Some of us, as we are, we are giving ourselves to the enemy to drive us. And he's riding us like mules. Some of us doing crazy stuff that's destroying our own lives, but we don't seem to care. Because the enemy is behind it. Satan didn't know that was his undoing. He found out later. He thought he could get some guards <laughs> to, to, to kill him. How would you kill somebody who, is, who's, who's, who raised somebody from the dead? And if somebody has been dead and they, they, are, they are raised by themselves, how are you going to kill somebody like that? Satan cannot think. He's dumb. I say that in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but there's something I need to share with you as I start going down towards closing. You know how pastors say, I'm closing, and the next 15 minutes is still closing? <laughs> I have been guilty of that. Please pardon me, okay? <laughs> but I'm not going to do that today. I'll try not to. Finally, and then another finally. Yeah. But let me show you something. The cross is the beginning of our freedom, of our deliverance from everything that hurts us. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of total freedom. Freedom from sickness and disease. Freedom from want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Freedom from pain. Because he took our pain and carried our sorrows. He took everything for us. The cross was that place. But it's, it's funny that after Jesus rose from the dead, did you know that he never went back to Calvary? Have you noticed? Jesus went back to the grave. Because Mary was there. But he never went back to Calvary, where he was crucified. Many times I hear Christians sing this song, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Well, you already died. You were raised with him. Get away from the cross. There is something more to do. Amen. Jesus keeping you near the cross, that's not the, he didn't go back there. He went to the place of the resurrection. You have been raised with him. Christians, we don't celebrate his death. We celebrate his resurrection. We celebrate new life. Get away from the cross. Amen. That's the beginning. There's, there are greater things waiting for you. Because he rose from the dead. 
Don't stay dead with the cross. That's where you died. Amen. Go to where you were raised from the dead. Because that's where you find life. That's not to diminish the cross. It's important. But the believers in their time, they never talked more. They said you killed him, but then instantly they go to his resurrection. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. The resurrection is the focal point of Christianity. That's what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. Because God died and he rose again. Did you know that people like to investigate things? Scientists, I'm surprised. Scientists, historians, archaeologists, all of these people, they like to investigate stuff. There are two things that they don't dare investigate. No one ever argues whether Jesus rose from the dead or not. Have you noticed? They can study it and research it. They're scared. Because if you research it, (laughs) before it's over, you will be in church praying to God. So Satan doesn't want them to research it. You know the other thing? I'm not going to go into that very deeply this morning. The other thing that they don't investigate is speaking in tongues. I mean, everybody's doing it all over the world. That's God speaking through somebody. You can go to church, you find people, prove it that this is not real. Prove it, it has nothing to do with God, they're just babbling. You can do that. But they won't do it. Because if you go into it, you'll find out it's real. And you know, when somebody does that supernaturally, that says God is. God is. It makes it real. The first day I heard somebody do that in my presence, that was the beginning of my conversion. Because I knew there's no way that's God. I read it from the scriptures. It's right there in my face. Jesus rose from the dead. Did you know you cannot be saved unless you believe in his resurrection? You'll never experience God. Let me read from Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That's the way to get saved. If you want to know God, you need to do just two things. Just two things. How come I didn't do this today? (laughs) That's Pastor Hal. I did two things, Pastor Hal. Two things. (laughs) He teases me for saying three. And won't let go. I love that brother, but he's a pain (laughs) snuckin'. After this service, I walk by this way real fast because that guy is really big. You see him? He's got this. So he comes walking this way, and I'm that way greeting that brother over there. (laughs) Not going near him. But in in, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you, notice it's conditional, if you confess, With your mouth. Not God's mouth. Not your brother's mouth. Your mouth. Not your friend's mouth. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he died on the cross, you will be saved. Is that what he's saying? You said yes? 
you need to show me that scripture, brother. No kidding. <laughs> it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him, him from the dead, you will be saved. That says if you don't believe in the resurrection, you will never experience God. You will never. You just have to. That's the focal point of Christianity. Believing that Jesus rose from the dead. And the disciples never wasted time. They kept pushing it to the people. Even the Sanhedrin. You killed him and God raised him from the dead. He is alive. You killed him. He is alive. For over 2,000 years he is still living. There are people in, 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 in deep villages in Africa. He appears to them. And they can tell, I saw Jesus. I was talking to a lady one time, and uh, she, she, uh, they attended church here. Her husband was 92 when, when, when uh, he went home to be with the, with the Lord, and uh, she was in about 80-something. And I thought to myself, she's lonely, she's going to want to die, and I don't want, any, I don't want to conduct any funeral. So I wanted to, to, to talk to her and get her busy in the church. So that uh, she gets busy and won't be thinking about going to join her husband. So I was going to really trick her. <laughs> My tricks didn't work. I said, teach the lady. She said, I already done all of that. I said, well, teach the kids. She said, I did that before. I just, Why won't you take me home? <laughs> She's wanting to die. This is serious business. I talked and I talked, trying to convince her. She wouldn't listen to me. I think it was a, maybe a year later she was gone. I mean, she was so healthy. I couldn't trick, I tricked another one, but uh, this one I couldn't. It, it, she won't accept. And then she was telling me she was so happy. She said, you know, when I received Jesus, you know, when he appeared to me. And I said, Jesus appeared to you? She said, yes. I said, really? She said, I thought, didn't he appear to you? I said, no, when I received Christ, he didn't. I didn't see anything. She said, really? I thought everybody in church, when, he, when they get saved, Jesus appeared to them. I said, no, he never did that to me. And I don't know of very many people that that's happened to. She was pleasantly shocked at this time. But he's alive. Amen? At least he appeared to that woman. Even though he didn't appear to me, but he appeared to that woman. <laughs> that's amazing. She was saved and lived a life for God all those years. And went home to be with God. That's a beautiful thing. I didn't see God in that, uh, Jesus in that setting, but I've seen him in other settings, different from the way uh, the woman saw uh, him. But Jesus is really alive and wants to reveal himself to you. Amen. All heads bowed this morning. You see, I said in my message, it's a decision that you have to make. All heads bowed. No one is looking around. Please, this is our holy moment. This is our holy moment. And the Holy Spirit is here. And the Father, our God, is here. Jesus is here with us. All Jesus is asking, all the Father is asking, accept my son. Accept my son. Accept my son. Take my son into your life. Why don't you accept my son? That's all God is asking for you. He's done everything for you. Why won't you accept him today? If you're sitting here this morning, all eyes closed, please. No one looking around. Your heads bowed, please. 
If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, yes, I want to accept Jesus into my life. Or I accepted Jesus into my life before, but things have really gone wrong, but I want to come back home. I want Jesus back into my life. If that's you, if you fit into one of those two categories, I need you. At the count of three, please put your hand up quickly and put it back down. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Now you guys can open your eyes. If you made a decision for Christ to come back home, take your bulletin, take that connection card, and please check there uh, where it says, my decision today. Please check there. Uh, I gave my life to Christ, or I commit my life to Christ today, or I'm recommitting my life to Christ. I want to know so we can send you some material for you to study that will help you uh, with your faith as you grow. Amen? We're going, to try, we're going to receive our offering today to support God's work. Currently, we are looking at a land in Calvert, about seven. We are looking at two properties, seven and uh, ten acres. We don't know which one we're going to buy, but we're going to be buying one. And I'll let you know once that is done. We're able to do ministry because you give. If you are a visitor, we are not asking that you give unless you really want to give. The church, we, are not, we are not a church just, uh, just to collect money. We want to serve our God. We want to give to our God. So we don't mind if you don't feel like giving. There's no need to put anything in the offering basket. But for our church members, we need you to support what God's doing. And God's doing a lot of work among us. We have a lot to do. So we encourage you to give. God says... To bring your offering and your tithes to him so that you give him the right to bless him. If you don't give, you withhold the right from God to bless you. God says if you give, you give your tithes and you give your offering, that is committing your life to him and saying, yes, God, you can bless me. But when you don't do that as a Christian, you're saying, God, I don't give you permission to bless me. I'm okay. And he'll leave you alone. But I want him to bless me, so I give to him. Amen? I give to him. Would you lift your offerings up this morning to, the, to our God? The Bible says, here on earth, man will receive it from you. But at the same time, spiritually, Jesus, who sits at the Father's right hand, he receives your offering from you. And he worships his Father with your offering. And it's for me, that's a great privilege. And Jesus says, Daddy, this is good luck suffering. And he worships God with it. I like that. <laughs> Amen. Let's lift your offering up and I'm going to pray over it. Father, we thank you. What a privilege to give to your kingdom and to be involved with you in what you are doing on the earth. We're so grateful, God. Receive our offerings. Bless the offering. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please, as you leave, don't forget we have ice cream for you. Uh, please, don't be thinking of uh, a gallon of ice cream. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> 
It's just some little ice cream to say thank you. <laughs> if you're thinking of a gallon, you'll be really disappointed. Don't get mad, okay? But we just want to say we appreciate you and we love you in the Lord. That's just to say we love you and thank you for being a part of what God's doing here. Amen. If you have a, a prayer need, please, our prayer partners, myself included, I'm going to be up here. If you have any need, you need somebody to agree with you in prayer and pray for you, please come up front as we close and the people are leaving and uh, be prayed for. Let's stand up, please. May the Lord make this particular day a blessed day for you. May something that you can, you've only been able to imagine because you don't see a, the a reality of it, may that begin to take shape in your life and God bless in your family and your life. May God make his face to shine upon you. May God give you increase in every area of life. May your joy be so full that you have the joy, unspeakable joy, full of glory. And may God get glory out of your life. And I speak against everything that is against your life, against your family, against your marriage, against your children. I command those things to leave your life in Jesus' name. And may you know only goodness and mercy because goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life and God's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies and you can enjoy while they hurt. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.